0: We all know that life on Earth is incredibly diverse, from bacteria to blue whales, from fungi to ferns, and from humans to hummingbirds. But despite this diversity, all living things share common features such as DNA, RNA, proteins, and cell membranes. These features suggest that all life on Earth descended from a single common ancestor, a primordial organism that emerged billions of years ago. But what if life evolved more than once? What if there were other signs of life that gave rise to different forms of life that we don't know about? Could there be other trees of life besides the one that we're familiar with? This is not just a hypothetical question. It's a question that researchers are actively pursuing, using a combination of experiments, simulations, and observations. In this episode, we will explore some of the evidence and arguments for and against multiple origins of life. So sit back and relax and enjoy the podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Earthguy and you're listening to Science Show. One of the main challenges in studying the origin of life is that we don't have a clear definition of what life is. There's no single criterion that can distinguish living from non-living matter. Instead, we have a list of characteristics that most living things have, such as metabolism, reproduction, evolution, and complexity. But these characteristics are not exclusive to life. For example, fire can metabolize fuel and oxygen, crystals can grow and replicate, viruses can evolve and infect cells, and computer programs can generate complex patterns. So how do we recognize life when we see it? One possible approach is to look for molecules that are essential for life as we know it, such as DNA and RNA. These molecules store and transmit genetic information, and they can also act as catalysts for chemical reactions. They are the building blocks of life on Earth. But RNA and DNA are not easy to make. They require specific conditions and ingredients that may not have been available on early Earth. Some researchers have proposed that life started with simpler molecules that could self-replicate and evolve, such as peptides or clay minerals. These molecules could have served as precursors or templates for the synthesis of DNA and RNA later on. If this is true, then it's possible that life evolved more than once on Earth using different kinds of molecules. Some of these early forms of life may have gone extinct or merged with other forms of life over time. Others may have survived in isolated environments or adapted to different niches. For example, some scientists have speculated that there could be a shadow biosphere which is a collection of organisms that use different biochemistry than ours, such as arsenic instead of phosphorus. But how do we test this hypothesis? One way is to look for traces of alternative forms of life in ancient rocks or fossils. Another way is to look for signs of life in extreme environments where conventional life cannot survive, such as hot springs, deep sea vents, or radioactive waste sites. A third way is to create artificial forms of life in the laboratory using different molecules or methods than those used by natural life. However, so far, none of these approaches have yielded conclusive evidence for multiple origins of life on Earth. But they have shown that life is far more diverse and adaptable than we first thought. For example, researchers have discovered microbes that can live in boiling water, use methane as an energy source, or survive in high doses of radiation. These microbes expand our understanding of what life can do and where it can exist. Another way to explore the possibility of multiple origins of life is to look beyond Earth. If life evolved more than just once on our planet, then it could have also evolved on other planets or moons in our solar system or beyond. Some of the most promising candidates for extraterrestrial life are Mars, Europa and Titan. These worlds have different environments and histories than Earth, but they also have some conditions and ingredients that are favourable for life. For example, Mars has evidence of past water activity, organic molecules and methane emissions. Europa has subsurface oceans that could harbor hydrothermal vents or ice volcanoes. And Titan has a thick atmosphere rich in nitrogen and organic compounds. And lakes of liquid methane and ethane, all these features could provide energy sources and building blocks for different kinds of life. To find out if these worlds host any form of life, we need to send probes or landers that can collect samples and perform experiments on site. Examples include NASA's Mars 2020 rover and the European Space Agency's JUICE orbiter. These missions could help reveal new clues about the origin and evolution of life in our solar system. But even if we find evidence for extraterrestrial life, how will we know it evolved independently from Earth's life or not? One way is to compare their genetic codes or molecular structures. If they are similar to ours or identical, then they may share a common ancestor with us, or they may have exchanged material with us through meteorites or spacecraft contamination. If they are different or unique from ours, then they may represent a separate origin of life or a convergent evolution. And convergent evolution is when two independent species evolve in the same direction and thus independently acquire similar characteristics. Another way is to compare their phylogenies or evolutionary histories. If they have a common ancestor with us, then they should show some degree of similarity or relatedness amongst their branches or lineages. If they have a separate origin from us, then they should show no similarities or relatedness at all. Of course, these methods are not foolproof. There could be cases where extraterrestrial life has a common origin with us, but has diverged so much that it appears unrelated or vice versa. There could also be cases where extraterrestrial life has a separate origin from us, but has converged so much that it appears similar or vice versa. The question of whether life evolved more than once is still an open-ended question. It challenges us to rethink our assumptions and definitions about what life is and how it works. It also inspires us to explore new frontiers and possibilities in our quest for understanding ourselves and our place in the universe. And before we end this episode, let's talk a bit more about the two important concepts related to the origin of life, abiogenesis and Luca. Abiogenesis is the natural process by which life arises from non-living matter. Abiogenesis is different from spontaneous generation, which is the idea that complex organisms, such as maggots or mice, could arise directly from non-living matter. Abiogenesis is not a single event, but a series of steps involving increasing complexity over time. And some of the main stages of abiogenesis are the formation of a habitable planet, a prebiotic synthesis of organic molecules, such as amino acids, nucleotides, and sugars, the ability to self-organize, the ability to self-replicate, and then lastly, to evolve. And for these reasons, abiogenesis is a very difficult process to study because it happened so long ago under conditions that are very different from today. We don't have direct evidence of fossils or first life forms, but we can only infer what they might have been like based on characteristics of modern life and the chemistry of early Earth. And abiogenesis is not only relevant for understanding the origin of life on Earth, but also for exploring the possibilities of life elsewhere in the universe. If we can understand how life emerged from non-living matter on our planet, we may be able to predict how it could emerge on other planets or moons that have similar or different conditions. This is why abiogenesis is one of the most fascinating and challenging topics in science. It addresses fundamental questions about who we are, where we came from, and what else is out there. The second concept I want to discuss is LUCA, which stands for Last Universal Common Ancestor. LUCA is the most recent organism from which all living things on Earth have descended. LUCA is not necessarily the first life form or origin of life, but rather the point where all branches of life converge. LUCA lived from 3.5 to 3.8 billion years ago, probably in a hydrothermal vent environment in the ocean. It was also probably a single-celled prokaryote, which is an organism without a nucleus. It would have used anaerobic metabolism, which is metabolism without oxygen, and chemosynthesis, where it uses chemicals as an energy source. Luca was not a single species or individual, but rather a population or community of organisms that exchange genes through horizontal gene transfer, which is the movement of genetic material between different organisms. Luca was also not static, but dynamic and evolving over time. But you're probably asking the question, how do we know about Luca? We can't directly observe LUCA because it lived a long time ago and left no fossils. We can only infer what LUCA was like based on the characteristics of modern life and the methods of molecular phylogenetics. This is a study of evolutionary relationships among organisms using molecular data. This involves comparing the sequences of DNA and RNA and proteins, building phylogenetic trees which are diagrams that show how organisms are related based on their molecular similarities and differences, and identifying molecular markers, such as genes or proteins that are unique to certain groups of organisms. And by using these techniques, researchers have identified about 355 genes that are common to all living things and are likely to have been present in LUCA. And these genes provide clues about LUCA's structure, function, metabolism and environment. LUCA is not only important for understanding the origin and evolution of life on Earth, but also for exploring the possibility of life elsewhere in the universe. If we can understand how Luca emerged from prebiotic chemistry and how Luca diversified into different forms of life, we may be able to predict how similar or different processes could occur on other worlds. And by understanding and studying these mysteries, we'll have a better picture of how the origin of life started and whether it's even possible that there were multiple sources for the origin of life. So if you're listening to this podcast, you are here thanks to an uninterrupted chain of reproductive events that goes back billions of years. As exciting as it is to think about life repeatedly emerging on our planet or elsewhere, it's even more exciting to know that we are all related to all the life beings on this planet. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and if you learned something new today, please make sure you hit that follow button and hit the notification icon. Your support really helps the channel and it allows you to know when I release my next episode. You've been listening to The Earth Sci Show. I'm your host, Mr. Earth Guy. And remember, stay curious.